dude stabbed me in the stomach and then tried to stab me in the chest but got my arm. So I was fortunate of the arm and fortunate to be like 340 pounds at the time because then it didn't go all the way through me. Like if it was me now, I just would have like went through and through and I would have bled out and died in the street. Welcome to Happy Athlete, a podcast about overcoming obstacles and sparking change in ourselves and the world. We'll dig into mindfulness, enhancing performance, jumpstarting our passions, and learn tools to be stronger, happier, more grateful, and at peace. Hi, everyone. This is Sean Conley. Welcome to The Happy Athlete. My guest today is Mike Adams. Mike is a former football player at The Ohio State University. He was a second-round pick by his childhood dream team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also played for the Chicago Bears. He is now a six foot eight yoga teacher leading workshops and retreats, and he has a dog named Buddha. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it, man. That was, uh, I, I, love the, I love that intro. <laughs> Let, let's go back in time a little bit. Where and when did your dream of becoming an NFL player begin? If you could, if you could take us there. Um, you know, so I'm like a lot of kids and, you know, from the Western PA, um, Ohio type of area. You know, I was originally from Faro, Pennsylvania, uh, just an hour north of the city or so, and then moved to Dublin, Ohio uh, as a kid where football was also a big, rich tradition. Um, I guess it was kind of back in those days, you know, you know, I guess when whenever they would ask, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? All of those things. I always was just wanting to be a football player. And when they said no, I, I think I picked like a, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not even sure what I picked other than that. I think I probably said like a veterinarian or like a police officer or something. <laughs> so, well, let's, let's, let's move forward a little bit. So before you signed with, with Ohio state, like you were like, like the man, you were the number one recruit in Ohio you were number three overall in the entire country. Yep. And the way the recruiting system works, you know, two stars, three, four, five stars, the highest, you were the highest. You were, you were a five-star recruit. Every, every school in the country wanted you. Every, every school in the country wanted Mike Adams. So I assume you were on a lot of recruiting visits where they threw out everything to get you to come there. So could you share with us one of your one of the more unusual recruiting visits you went on? My first ever visit, uh, being a Buckeye, this is pretty weird. My first ever visit was to Michigan. Um, so that that was back when Lloyd Carr was there, and I really liked Lloyd Carr. Um, I thought about it, it's kind of a weird story, but we were on the on a bus during the recruiting trip, and it was me and another high school teammate of mine who also ended up going to Ohio State with me same year. We were both all Americans. He was a tight end, well, wide out at the time, tight end in college. Um, we were on a bus on a recruiting trip to Michigan, and he didn't have an Ohio State offer yet, but I did. And, um, you know, I was, like, really close. We called our high school football coach, and we're like, Coach, I think we might want to go to Michigan. I think we might commit while we're here. And he's like, hold the phone, hold the phone. He's like, you <laughs> yeah, he's like, you guys are sophomores. You don't need to make any drastic decisions right now. <laughs> Have fun on your visit. Come home. Enjoy it. And it'll be, you know, don't, don't do it right now. And thank God I took his advice. 
because yeah, you know, I started going to Ohio State. Like, ended up going over there like during the week through practice to just watch and stuff through spring ball and all that. And it was like they all knew me, you know, like all the guys there. So it was a pretty good situation to walk into as a freshman. So it's pretty much Ohio State all the way then. Yeah, yeah. I just I really love Coach Tressel. Um, and like my whole relationship with the game of football and Ohio State really grew together as a kid growing up. Um, when I moved to Columbus, Maurice Claret was coming into his freshman year. And at the time, there was no one bigger in college football, you know. And um, he was from Youngstown, which is right near where I'm from in PA. So that's how I started watching Ohio State was to watch him. And it was a magical year. They went and won the national championship against one of the, like, arguably the greatest college football team ever assembled in Miami that year. Um, and for me as a little boy, man, the fire was lit. You know, it was like I was all Buckeye, everything. And then I had a cousin who came home from Afghanistan and enrolled at Ohio State. And he ended up taking me to my first Buckeye game. I was 14. Him and his buddy picked me up. They had a they had a, a Jeep with uh, with the doors off and, you know, blaring the Ohio State theme song and the flags everywhere. And they had a jersey for me. And uh, we went to a game. They took me to a big tailgate. The dudes pulled me up on stage on a tailgate. And, like, they're like, yeah, this is what the Buckeyes are going to look like in 2008. And I'm, like, 14. I just stepped into high school. I don't even play varsity yet. And, like, there's thousands of people, like, cheering me on. I'm up there like, oh, H. And, yeah, that was it, dude. I, it's, I think I got an offer six months later after my freshman football season. Wow. So so you're at Ohio State, and you had this, you had this amazing career there. So you're, like, you know, the, everything, you know, that, that the team wanted from you, you know, you came through. You had a um, such a good career there. You're – you're now one of the potential top draft picks for for the NFL. So let's talk about the combine. So you go to the 2000. This is 2012. You go to the NFL Combine, and the Steelers. You know your 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 hometown favorite team, or not your hometown, but but your favorite team growing up. And you find out that you're removed from the draft board. But I, I read a story. I believe it was on CBSSports.com that you. You actually arranged a meeting with 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 head coach Mike Tomlin and the general manager Kevin Colbert, which is which is crazy for me because Kevin Colbert was actually the, the the player personnel director with the Detroit Lions, who, who signed me back in 1993. But he's now the general manager with the Steelers and also the team owner Art Rooney. And then this meeting, obviously, and I can't wait to hear about it. They they ended up drafting you. So 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 what happened if you if you could bring us into that meeting? Oh, dude, this meeting was – so, backstory. Um, I'm a huge cannabis advocate, you know what I mean? Always have been. And in college, I smoked a lot of weed, like, regularly, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, it was what it, it, a lot of guys did, you know? And same thing in the league. Pretty much everybody does, um, coaches included. And so – um, you know, I, I quit smoking for like seven and a half weeks before the combine and, uh, I go to the combine. I'm like the first one in line in the morning to take the test. It's like 4:30 AM, you know? And, uh, I go in pee. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's get this, let's get this show on the road. You know, like first round, here we go. And, uh, I go do my thing at the combine, 
then I go to pro day. Uh, my pro day is the day before my 22nd birthday. So it's like March 9th and uh, kill it at pro day, pretty much cement myself as like the, one of the top two or three tackles. And um, the next morning I, on my birthday, I get a call from my mom. It's like 9 30 AM. And she's like, I answer and she's just kind of like real monotone. And I'm like, what's up? Like, I thought she was going to be like, happy birthday, you know? And she was just <laughs> like, uh, got a letter from the NFL. And I was like, well, what's it say? You know? And uh, mom opened it. Yeah. And she, she had already opened it. And so I was like, <laughs> and she's like, well, it says you failed your test for, uh, for marijuana at the combine. And I was like, what's it say the levels are? And she was like, well, it says the cutoff is 15 nanograms and you had 17. So I was like, oh, I was like, I will talk to you later. I'm just going to lay down for a little. And uh, and I'll have you. It's my birthday. Pro day was the day before. My All my best friends are down in my living room, like sleeping on the couches in my college apartment. You know, uh, my family's all in town. They came to pro day. We're about to go out for birthday lunch, you know, going into like the biggest time of my life. And I get this news. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Like, man. And um, so I tell my buddies, you know what I mean? And my buddies are like, dang, man. You know, they're like, it's all right, bro. Like, you got this. Like, you know, it's, it's all good. You know, you can, it's all up from here. You know, it's, can't, can't help complaining about it or running from it now, right? And so I uh, go out to dinner with my family, which was tough because I didn't tell my grandparents and stuff right then and there. I told them, like, maybe I think it was like that night or like the next day. Cause I don't know. It, it, there was something about having them being in like all of their glory and just letting them be happy and have their moment, you know? And, um, so, you know, I told them later that night and just, you know, I was like, look, it's going to come up on TV probably in the next day or so. So, uh, I just want you guys to know. And, you know, they were supportive, like super supportive, you know, like they were like, it's all good, man. Like just keep working. It's all good. You've already, your work is on display. Um, everybody knows what you're capable of. It's all good. And so I, uh, you know, go about it and I call coach Tomlin. I had his number, um, from like pre-draft meetings at the combine and stuff. And I just texted him and was like, Hey coach, like, um, I was wondering if I could come down to Pittsburgh and like, uh, and you know, have a meeting with you guys, see you guys, some things I want to talk about before the draft. Uh, and he was like, yeah, man, come on down to Pittsburgh. Here's the address. And I was like, well, <laughs> fuck, that was a little easier than I thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and cause like, man, we really connected at the combine, like me and him, Mr. Rooney, uh, coach Sean Kugler, my line coach at the time. Uh, and then they came, they all came to my pro day. Like my pro day was a circus. It was, I think there was a representative from 31 of the 32 schools and like everyone was there and I was the top drafted guy there. And so like having coach Tomlin there. And as soon as I got done with drills, he's like walking he's like, come on, man, let me meet your mom. Where's your mom and your grandma at? You know, cause they know everything about you. Um, mm -hmm. so I go into this meeting and I'm like, look guys, like, um, you know, I just like, I appreciate y'all having me down here. I just want you to know, like, really hard for me to do this, but 
I really want to play here. Like, I don't want to go anywhere else. I just want to be in the Berg. Like, um, I want my grandma to be able to drive the games, you know, like all that stuff. And so I was just like, man, I, I fucked up. That's exactly how I said it. I was <laughs> just like, <laughs> I fucked up big. Like, I failed the test. And, um, and that's where I'm at. You know, I'm like, I was like, I'm sorry. I know that, uh, that you can't be that careless or, you know, and all those things. And I was like, and I let you guys down. I let a lot of people down, expect like nobody more than myself, you know? And, uh, cause you know, like in football and team sports in general, like that whole being your biggest, your own biggest critic is like a crucial part of your development kind of, and also having a short memory. Um, so getting over mm-hmm. shit. Um, but so, you know, I told them and man, Kevin Colbert and coach Tomlin sat there and ripped me a new one for like two hours, <laughs> like legit, like yelling at me. Like I was the child <laughs> that got caught egg in houses. Like, I mean, like they were reaming me <laughs> and just, and you, and you don't even play for them yet. No. And they're and like, <laughs> funny because they never said like, don't fucking smoke weed. They were just like, they're like, man, everybody in this like everybody in the locker room smokes weed, like, and we all know that. They're like, but you can't get caught. And I'm like, man, see, this is where this is this is where you know there's a problem with rules and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you're not telling me to follow the rules. You're telling me not to get caught. Like, right. why? We, should we could I- do a whole nother show on that. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I told them that, and they were like, well. They had me go see a therapist and like make sure that I was all good mentally and not like some like a weed addict or like like that I wasn't gonna like you know just get a bunch of money and go spend it all on weed or something. And um, so I did that. Went to a doctor at Ohio State, saw him a couple times, and he was like, "Yeah, dude, so you're 21 and you like to smoke a little weed like during college?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, you quit for a couple months. I was like, yeah. He's like, but you're 335 pounds. So like, you know, it sticks, you know? And, uh, I was like, yeah, I know. And that was that. And they ended up, uh, you know, then fast forward to the draft I'm sitting there and I get a call from, uh, I think it was like the jets or the Eagles. And they're like, Hey, we're going to pick you in two picks after, after the Steelers. And I was like, about to hang up the phone and tell everybody I had like a huge draft party. And as soon as I hung up the phone, Steelers online coach popped up on my phone before I could even say a word. So I answered and it was uh, coach Kugler. And he was just like, Hey, big boy. He's like, you want to, he was like, you want to come down here and give me all you got work for me. And I was like, absolutely coach. He's like, welcome to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's coach Tomlin. And then it was coach Tomlin. And, you know, we just had a, had some words. I was crying. Everyone's crying. Everyone's yelling. And he said, I'll see you in Pittsburgh tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. And I was like, uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome. Wow. And then, okay, so now now you're a Steeler. It's official. Um, you know, you have, a, have that season with the Steelers. And just just after one season, uh, it, was, it was in the offseason, I believe, um, you end up being a victim of an attempted robbery and you're, you're stabbed hospitalized and I, I remember you telling me the story that you that you almost died and um uh, what, what can you share with us about you know not just the injury but you know the trauma you experienced both physically and and emotionally oh man yeah so it was uh it was pretty wild you know because 
you know, it's like those things when you're riding high, you got to ride the highs. And when the lows come, you just can't sit in them. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, coming off, a, I ended up winning rookie of the year for the Steelers that year. So big year for a second round guy trying to get to that second contract quick and like prove and make a point, you know. Um, so coming off a big year, we're in the, we're in OTAs off season. So like we got like running and lifting in the morning. Um, so we're doing that at this time. I'm like, I'm the starting left tackle and, uh, yeah, I'm just out on a Friday. Uh, we had run, we had a workout at like 6am and then I went home, was hanging out, went for like happy hour and all that with my friends, stayed out all night. Um, I lived up in the slopes. So it was like, you know, not walking up those steps or walking all the way up to the top of the slope. So, you know, me young and dumb, you know, stupid. Uh, I would valet at Nakama and my car had the number key and they would just, I just tell them to leave the keys in it. And I'd drive right up 18th, right to my house and, uh, and I'd go to sleep and, you know, it'd be all good. So this particular night, they did not leave the keys in the car. Um, guy forgot to or whatever, but I went back to get my car and my friends were walking down to like 24th, like near hot metal and whatnot. And we're all the way, like I said, at Nakama and, uh, we had just eaten Jimmy John's, which is right there. So I get in the truck, I'm looking for my keys. I got half of a gargantuan and a lemonade sitting here and, uh, I got no keys and it's June or yeah, it's like June one. So, you know, it's not like super hot yet, but it's like, uncomfortably warm and I'm a big ass, I'm a big guy, you know what I mean? So I, uh, leave the lemonade, finish the sandwich, go to walk to my, get out of the truck to walk to my buddy's house around the corner on 18th and Warden. And, uh, yeah, at first there's like a couple guys walking across the street and it was a pretty sick truck. So I thought they were going to be like, Oh, nice truck, you know? And the dude's like, yo, that's your truck. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, give it up. And I'm like, man, what do you mean give it up? Like, back up, bro. Like, And uh, there's two of them, and we're on the sidewalk at this point. They're standing in front of me. There's a third one jumping up and down on my, like, running boards in the truck. Like, yeah, we got a nice one, bro. You know? And I'm drunk at this point, and I'm, like, not really, like, the type at this point. Like, I'm not just about to back down from three dudes. Like, these little dudes who are like, give me your truck, you know? And so they're like, the dude looks at me and he's like, give me your truck before I shoot you in your face and kill you in front of everybody. And I'm like, man, fuck. And then the dude's jumping up and down on the side of the truck talking shit. And I'm just like, man, fuck you. Like, you know, and I look back and the other guy at this point's like, no, man, let me kill him. And I'm like, bro, like, don't, don't shoot me. Like, please don't shoot me. Like, that's me literally just like, please don't shoot me. It's like, there's three of y'all, there's one of me. I will fight all three of you guys if that's what you want, but don't kill me, bro. Like, and, uh, no quicker than like, you know, two or three seconds, I hear someone walking up behind me. So I go like this. Cause I know some big dude's probably about to try to punch me. He is really short. So he jumped up, tried to punch me. And when he did, I grabbed him. And when I did, the dude stabbed me in the stomach and then tried to stab me in the chest. We got my arm. So that was, uh, I was fortunate of the arm and fortunate to be like 340 pounds at the time. Um, cause then it didn't go all the way through me. Like if it was me now, I just would have like went through and through and I would have bled out and died in the street. 
But so, yeah, I uh, got real lucky. The lady who owned the Cambodian restaurant next door, my first week there, all the old guys like Max Starks and uh, um, Willie Cologne and all those guys, like they all took me out to this place when we were like drunk after our first night out as an O-line. And uh, I got real close with the owners who worked there. And she saw everything through the windows of her restaurant, Cambodian Kitchen. And she just runs out and she's like, Big Mike, you got stabbed. And I look, and I was like, no, like I was just bleeding everywhere. And so I was like, went into just Hulk mode and was pissed, adrenaline and everything. And we walked inside. She sat me down, gave me a towel. I held it on and she just started dumping hydrogen peroxide on me. <laughs> And all these people are in there eating their food, just looking like they just watched me get stabbed through the window. Come inside, I'm sitting in the middle of the restaurant. Tables are cleared out. And I literally just remember a girl in a dress, like a glittery dress and her like long hair and stuff and her heels, eating her Cambodian food. <laughs> like, oh my God. And uh, so the cops working the bar down the street came in. And they called me an ambulance. I showed him what happened. The guy who jumped up to punch me dropped his phone on the ground because he's like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five or something crazy. And they arrested him the next morning, told on his friends. I picked him out of the lineup. They all got arrested, got let off uh, because me and the rest of the witnesses there were all drunk, right? And in like criminal court, you have the right to not incriminate yourself. So none of them had to take the stand, even like... And these guys didn't just get arrested. Like, they ran and got away and then got caught, turned, you know, like, all this stuff. And then, uh, yeah, so they basically, they get off, and then they all get rearrested from, like, murder charges, uh, shooting a, a girl in the leg outside of a corner store where two girls are fighting, uh, robbing someone else at gunpoint outside of a bar, like, all, like, you know, wild stuff. So... Uh, it's like what they say in bas football, basketball, ball don't lie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, so that was pretty weird. That led to a lot of real weird trauma stuff, you know, PTSD, night terrors, all those things. And then, you know, also trying to rush back for a football season that starts in a month after being in the hospital for 10 days and then at home on, you know, bed rest or whatever, essentially for another two, two, three weeks. Um, I had, I think I had like 38 or 48 staples down the center of my belly through my belly button. And they did everything for me to not have a colostomy bag. So it was a tough rehab that I never did. I just straight up, just like when I could go back to football, it was a couple of weeks before camp. So I just started working out. Um, and they were pushing for me to make it back quick. And I wanted to make it back quick, being young and dumb in the league and not realizing that, like, my body is my business. They don't really care about it. You know what I mean? Like, if I can't make it back, they're just going to have somebody else and they're not even going to think about it. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm thinking, like, man, I got so much to prove to this organization who, like, took a chance on, you know, all those things. And um, so, yeah, I, like... I developed a hernia in my stomach that I still have to this day uh, that I need to get fixed. Um, you know, just trying to rush back. I was playing football before I could even just simply hang from a pull-up bar without, like, my stomach feeling like it was going to rip back open. 
And so then I end up getting benched because I'm just like, I can't play. You know what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, and uh, so I get benched. First time in my life ever not playing, starting, you know, like, and it was just, it was pretty rough. It was on like a Monday night football game in London versus the Vikings in Wembley Stadium playing against Jared Allen. And like, I could like, dude, I could barely kick step and like, you know, keep my hips square. I had no core strength. I think I gave up a couple of sacks and just like the guy next to me got hurt. So then I'm playing with another young guy who doesn't know what he's doing and all these, you know, how that can go, especially on an O-line man and then he comes in and we're like driving to win the game and he gives up the game losing sack and it's just like oh man it's just like so bad and so that year rough like i'm at home not sleeping more than an hour or two a night because of ptsd dreams not playing getting benched all this pressure hundreds of thousands like thousands of mentions on Twitter just about how terrible, you know, all these things. And, um, you know, it was a real rough downward spiral, like suicidal thoughts, all types of, you know, all of the craziest thing. And, uh, and it was during that time in the middle of that season when I, after I got benched, when I had a teammate who was a center, and his wife, they were like, yeah, we're going to go try this yoga thing out here. It's so good for your core. And I was like, dude, I'll try anything. <laughs> Tell me more. And I had a friend who uh, it was actually like one of my friend's girlfriends. She went to AY. It was at AY in, uh, in Southside, Hannah's class. Um, my friend used to go to that class all the time. So I was like, dude, tell your wife I'm trying out this yoga class she goes to. She met us there. And Hannah kicked my butt and I made it. I went strong for like probably 22 minutes. So like, you know, about the warm up, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then like, I just was laying there on my back trying not to die. And then I do a little more and then try not to die. And then, you know, class was over finally and walked outside. And I was like, wow, that was so crazy. And I'm so embarrassed of myself right now. But like, man, that was sick. Loved it. And yeah, so I started going back in the off season. Uh, I was in Columbus. I had a, like my, one of my best friends from high school, she, Kelsey Hanyati came and got certified by you guys. And she started teaching in Columbus where I lived in the off season. So I was going to her class a couple of times a week, doing all these things. And I went from like, I changed my diet completely and uh, just started having a lot more a lot more mindful minutes uh, when I started practicing more and eating better and all these things. And um, I just kind of worked it in my regimen. I lost about 35 pounds in the off season, came back and was like 300 pounds jacked and lean and had the best year of football in my life. Um, played, a, played a lot of really good ball, played against a lot of really good players, some hall of famers and, uh, got some game balls and all the, all those kind of things, you know, some, some 600 yard, six touchdown games with big Ben, you know, type, type of games. And, um, and it was, it was pretty dope. It was everything you, you wish for growing up as, as an O lineman, you know, 
Wow. And then the, you know, at the end of that season, you, you moved to the Bears. Is that right? No. So that's, this is where things just kind of everything was going great again. And then things just kind of took another big, deep dive. Um, I, was, I was going into my fourth year, uh, which is like your contract year. And things were looking real good for you, boy. I was playing real well, strong as can be in great shape. I was like 12% body fat at like 308 pounds. So like lean and like huge and moving really well, running like crazy, you know, um, just really trying to like get paid, you know, guys at that position for me, like to go in there as a starter in my fourth year, we're looking at, you know, like 60, $70 million contract at that point. Now you're talking about like $120 million contract for a high pedigree second round guy. Um, you know, especially having overcome so much, uh, you know, and then, so I'm in a OTA, you know, about the same time when I got stabbed two years before and I'm in OTAs and I'm in a non-contact drill, just kind of weaving back and forth, like O-line warm up. And all of a sudden I feel like this pressure in my low back and my legs. And it was just real hot. I got real tight. And I had finished practice, had a good day, had been having the best days that I'd ever had. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, I go in to change my clothes to go lift weights after practice. And I pulled one of those where you go to get up and you're like, oh, I'm stuck. And just was like, trainer. <laughs> like, and a couple of the linemen and the trainers carried me in the training room. And... Uh, yeah, I basically had what was called a massive herniation of my L5S1. So it just kind of like exploded and it was stuck on my sciatic nerve bad. Like all I, so I was just like, you know, they're like, maybe your body will absorb it and it'll be okay. It'll, you know, it'll, you know, it'll be fine. Or, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, or you might have to have back surgery. And, uh, so I'm like, well. So I'm waiting, waiting a couple of weeks. Uh, and then I go in and like, I'm waiting and people are like, man, it's like a thing. They're like, how serious is it? You know, like, and for me, I can't walk. I can't move. Like, it feels like I got people stabbing me in my legs all day long. And uh, I'm like freaking out. Like I'm in my head. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to play again. And they're like, is he okay? Is like, what's up? Is how bad is it? You know? And because that foot in football in your contract year, they want everything out of you. And they also want to rush you back so that they can get their money's worth and see like, you know, what they're going to have to do moving forward. And so I go in to get evaluated one day and they're like, hold your toe up while we push it down. And my toe was like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, and they're like, hold your foot up. And I was like, what was dead. The nerve was like gone pretty much. I like drop foot and they're like, dude, you got to have surgery in the morning. First thing and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, at this point, the season, uh, the preseason camp starts in like a week and a half. And I'm like, no, no. Like I'm just seeing everything just gone, you know? And so I have the surgery. I, uh, you know, I'm a, I wait like a, I was at home in bed for like pretty much a week, just like moving around as tolerated. 
and then the beginning of the second week when the players can like go home for the night and then go home the next day. Um, they had text, you know, Tomlin or who was it? It was like the trainer and Colbert had texted me like, you know, we'd love it if you can make it up here to Latrobe, um, you know, and rehab up here or whatever and all these things. Mind you, Latrobe is nothing but a bunch of hills and steps and all these things. And my rehab at this point is to walk as tolerated. Definitely no hills or anything crazy. And uh, like we're talking about a week out of back surgery on a 300 plus pound man trying to come back and play football, um, you know, and not have to get a fusion. And so I'm like, all right, I'm a team player. So I go up, you know, I have my room and stuff. And Dave DeCastro is like my best friend throughout the whole NFL experience. You know, I love that guy. He picks me up. We get in his car, he has the seat all the way back. I laid back the whole time he drove, and I was just like, ah, ah, every bump that he hit was just terrible. <laughs> and because uh, I also didn't want to take like a bunch of pain pills and be all zonked out, you know, get addicted. And um, so we get up there, and like I start trying to walk around. And like the first day that I even make it up a flight of like three stairs, the like the Steelers people are like, yeah, let's get you on the elliptical. Let's get you doing this, doing that. I'm like, I was like, absolutely not. Like, what are you talking about? And like the, uh, you know, the surgeon's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like Dr. Maroon is like, no, you can't do that. Like, and you know, there's all this weird stuff. James Harrison's like, bro, don't you listen to them people when they try to make you do all that stuff, bro. Like, cause if you break, like they're just going to cut you. You know what I mean? It's over. And so I listened for the most part and I wasn't doing stuff. And then they start pressuring me more and all these things. And then like, you know, they end up starting to try to get me to sign over my injury protection rights to say Mm -hmm. that like I can, because they wouldn't let me rehab. I got a fit. I got a second opinion doctor because they were trying to force it. And he was like, no man, like, and had me taking it slow. And then when it was, he told me to start working out again and I went to go work out, they're like, no, you're not allowed. And I'm like, what do you mean? The doctor said I can start like doing, like doing stuff now. Like, come on. And they wouldn't rehab me unless I signed over liability. And, uh, and, uh, which is a big no, no. Cause then they can cut you right that minute and not have to pay you a dime. And they owe me like a million dollars for the year. So I'm like, no way, you know? And, uh, so I just held my ground and we had a meeting one day, me, Mike, uh, and Kevin Colbert. And, you know, I was just like, look, man, like, they were like, can you, like, do you trust us at all? I was like, I don't trust you guys one bit. Like, this has been the most like toxic thing I've ever been a part of. I've seen you do it to other people. I can't like, you never get it until it's you. And now I get it. I get that it's business for you guys, but this is my life, you know? And uh, they're like, do you think it's best for us to go our separate ways then? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And then a couple of days later, uh, you know, they released me. And um, so then I'm like thinking football's over. And I meet John Kolb, the Pittsburgh Steeler great, one of the most amazing people I've ever met in life. He, um, he gets me on a treadmill puts the incline up. We just start walking together. He starts reading the Bible out loud. Just starts reading the Bible. We just start walking. It's like 6 a.m., you know, and we're the only two people in there. And 
we walked for, I think the first day we walked for like 20 minutes, you know, and then amped it up and we would go every day. And so he would train me 6 a.m. And then I'd come back in the afternoon at like two. We'd train twice a day. I'd go to yoga in the middle and Pilates after. And uh, we did that for months. I ended up getting healthy and strong as like strong as ever. Right. And, uh, and a bunch of teams are calling and I went to the bears for a tryout against another guy. And I was in such great shape working out against this other lineman. It wasn't even fair. He was ready to fall on the ground and die. And I'm just standing there like a prize horse, like got anything else. Like, you know, they didn't even let me change out of my clothes, my workout clothes before they took me to the GM to sign. And so I signed then, played there for the year, started a couple games at the end of the season, back ends up getting banged up again. I wasn't practicing through the season and stuff like that, really not taking care of my body during the time when I should have the most. End up hurting the same disc, you know, it's like the same thing, uh, except this time the Bears like really took care of me, rehabbed me, got me feeling good. I went back home, decided to hang it up, and that was... Uh, that was kind of it. I just got to a point where like my back was like blown out. I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of bed. I was laying there like like literally crying, thinking about just finding a bridge to jump off over, like going and just rolling out in front of some bus, you know, like literally got my best friends here, like walking into my bedroom to make sure I'm okay because I just can't move out of bed and I'm just in there crying with my dog, you know, like shit was rough. And, uh, when I went home, I, uh, I live on a farm in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, outside of Youngstown, where I just like to farm and hunt deer and turkeys and just be in the woods, like forest bathing every day. You know what I mean? And, uh, I got real into that and I got real into my time on my yoga mat. Um, Slowly, I like stopped doing Pilates all the time and I was just doing yoga all the time. Every studio I could find, whether it was an hour and a half away or if it was, you know, the little studio 10 minutes down the road, I was going to all of them and I uh, started going to AY a bunch and my life, like my, like everything I was thinking, everything that I was, my whole like intention and purpose and the things I was doing are like, leaning towards doing in this new identity after football, like it all kind of just screamed yoga at me. And my friend who trained with you guys, Kelsey, I was talking to her about it and she was like, you should go do your hundred hour in Pittsburgh with Sean and Karen. They're amazing. Sean played football. You guys have a lot in common. And uh, so I was like, you know, I guess I will. And at that point I'd never really even been to the shady side studio much maybe like once or twice but i was like south side everything you know so i didn't even know you guys so the first time really like meeting and all of that stuff for me was like teacher training you know and um yeah that's where it all kind of just started to really come full circle for me for where i'm at now yeah it's it's such a huge change i i was there's an article in um Bleacher Report, and this is when you had your like your first reinvention before you eventually reinvented from football to a yoga teacher. Where you're, there's a there's a photo of you where you've lost seventy pounds. You say it says that you went from three twenty three down to two fifty five, and you can see the scars from your 
you're yeah. stabbing like like it's all there and, you, and you're gonna um you're gonna be be a tight end, yeah, and, yeah. But there's a quote in there that you say i love the game it's what i want to do it's who i am and so i, I i'm just curious like how you know like how hard was it you know obviously like the injury you know you know made somewhat your decision easy but how hard was it for you to walk away from the game when for so for so long period of in your life like that's like he used to say i that's who i am um, like unbelievably hard and at first i thought it was all easy and all good because i was injured and i was like god stay away from me football ooey, you know as soon as i let go as soon as i let go of like the oh football is who i am it's like like, no, it's a part of me and it's a huge part of me and it's interweaved into so many things and lessons and opportunities. Um, you know, for me, my, you know, coming from the background I do, it's given me the opportunity to be the first like financially literate person in my family and the first person to, um, you know, kind of like create a generational wealth type uh, thing for my family. So I mean, for all football players or all athletes, you know, whose career doesn't end how they want it, and even the ones who do, I think all go through like a period of resentment a little bit, you know, and you can't, you can't dwell in that and let it damage your relationship with the game and make you forget of all the things that, that it did for you. It's like the same thing in any relationship that ends, you know what I mean? Or ends badly or whatever. Like, just because, you know, you hate that person's guts and they broke your heart, like, you shouldn't, don't just try to forget about all the good things you had together because you learned lessons from all those things and those experiences. And they're, and if you let them, you know, it'll help you for the next one or the next thing and the next job, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think now, like, I even have moments where the football coach and me comes out in yoga class, which is wild. Like yesterday I had someone, this is kind of funny, but I had a girl who had brought her phone in the studio and it clearly says no phones, you know, no phones or shoes, all that. And, uh, her phone started ringing while we were in chair pose. And I was like, well, I'm a big team sports guy, sports guy, you know, I'm a football background guy. Um, so I believe, you know, when, when one person doesn't follow the rules, we all got to get punished. So, chair pose, lift your heels, squeeze your thighs together. We're lowering down for 15, 14. You know, we did two of those <laughs> and I made my point and they forward folded and breathed it out and that was it. And it was over after that. But you know, it's like that thing, like when you're in football and like a couple guys get in trouble on the weekend and everybody's got to be there to condition at 6am. Like, you know, it's like that. So I don't know. It's uh, it's been a really cool thing a really fun thing that i'm super thankful for what what, what advice do you have someone to someone because you know, you're you're not your stereotypical yoga teacher which is which which is awesome so i i'd assume there's a lot of people that you've attracted to yoga who maybe normally wouldn't because they they, they feel like they don't fit like a certain look or 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 what have you um, so like, do you have any advice for someone who's like looking to get into yoga and meditation in a way that is, you know, that is less intimidating? Let's, let's say that. I do. I, um, I think the first things first is like, we all is 
everybody looks goofy their first, you know, however long in the beginning of their practice. Everybody feels goofy as hell. Nobody's looking at you or making fun of you. Mm-hmm. It's all just like the stuff that's in your head a little bit. Um, and, you know, you just kind of got to let go of that. But being someone who's like, you know, a minority, you know, a black man, big dude, football guy, all of these things. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always the elephant in the room, no matter if it's the grocery store or the yoga studio. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I just kind of kind of deal with that. But I mean, I would say just take it slow when you go in there, like whether you start in a hot power class by accident, like I did. Or if you go to a basics class or, you know, you find a restorative thing that you like, I would just say take it slow at your own pace. Don't like don't get worried and catching up with the Jones or keeping up with the Joneses, you know, just because somebody's moving this speed over here, you know, or they're sinking down this low or they don't take any breaks like you're not them. Their practice isn't your practice. Their journey is not your journey. Don't worry about that. You just take it at your own pace and try a bunch of different stuff, you know, like try different kinds of classes, go to different studios um, because you never know when you have that, you know, that one teacher who just sparks something for you, you know, uh, who may have something in common with you that you really can connect with. And that's the beautiful thing about it is in this whole process of becoming more open minded and trying to be less judgy, you really get to meet some beautiful people who you would never have otherwise even took the time to talk to. Um, so yeah, I'd say just be open to what it has to offer you. I tell people try to go to class two or three times a week in studio for a month and then go from there and see if you like it or if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. So, so last question, where, where can, uh, someone find you Instagram, social media, take a class with you online. Is that possible? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, it's Mike underscore Adam 75. Um, and then everywhere else, I kind of post my schedule on there pretty regularly. Uh, I'm in the Tampa and St. Petersburg, Florida area. Um, but I do make it back to Ohio a bunch. So I do, uh, little guest classes when I come home and things like that. And then always like an IG live class here or there, but uh, I'm open to suggestions. So if anybody's got anything that they'd like, hit me up, let me know. All right, Mike. Hey man, I, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a good time catching up with you again. Heck yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you looking good as always. Handsome devil you. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you later. 